Greetings from London. This is Mariam Sharif and welcome to the Star Moguls podcast. This is our last and final episode for 2020. And I wanted you to be inspired for 2021. So I brought in this guest of mine, beautiful soul and a beautiful person that I discovered on TikTok. You know, I'm a fan of TikTok from finding guests and I absolutely love the community there. My next guest is a motivational speaker. She's a TED talker and all the way from the states, Geet. Welcome Geet. Hi. Nice to join Hi. you. Hi. How how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So Geet, I discovered you from TikTok and I was just strolling along and and going through my feed and I came across you a couple of times and you kept on popping up and I think that's the way that TikTok works, but I love the community there. And I discovered you there and I I didn't into this wasn't in your introduction but um when I started listening to your talks and so motivational and you know about relationships about life um I actually thought you were a, a psychologist you know um and I was like oh because the the psychology says and the psychologist's point of view is this and I was like oh okay so actually in fact this is nothing what you studied uh, this no, is not no, I I study psychology for fun on the side yeah. but um, I actually um I studied engineering and then I did law when I was um in college. So engineering cuz you know all Desi families want you to be an engineer. And then yeah. my dad had this thing where he was like, you know, once you're an engineer, you could do anything you want to do. And so I went on to law school. I got my doctorate in law and I practiced for a few years and then I moved to India, started working with slum kids and was just have always really been interested in psychology. So I do a lot of reading. So I'm like a, a student of psychology. So I try to share some of those tips on TikTok when I'm um making videos just cuz things that I find insightful or things that I find useful in my own life. I'm like, okay, somebody else could maybe benefit from this. Yeah, and the reason that I've bought on um Geet today is you I didn't know. I must admit after watching so many of your videos on TikTok, it's only when I actually profiled you uh, and researched you that I actually discovered that you uh had a, a an accident sadly when you were 10 years old and you know, um from that car accident you were wheelchair bound. And so the audience doesn't know the fact that this motivational speaker has had an incredible journey. So um that must have been a life-changing moment for you at 10 years old. I mean that's that's very young and and you know must have been completely changed the course of your life. Yes. I mean, I think a 10-year-old is at that point in their life where they feel like they're going to be independent now. Finally, I could do everything by myself. I don't need mom to help me and all of a sudden we have this car accident and I found myself completely helpless at first because I had to relearn how to do everything from putting on my clothes uh to moving around in a wheelchair to reaching things that were up high because I can't stand anymore and so for me I remember I actually don't remember a lot of that time because I think it was so traumatic my brain has like blocked that out but my mom tells me that I used to basically cry all day long if I wasn't at school if I wasn't doing something I would yeah. just sit and cry because I felt like my life was over. I felt like I was never going to be anything. I was never going to be able to do anything. I was just going to be an invalid. And everywhere I went, people used to stare at me. They'd feel sorry for me and I felt I started feeling sorry for myself. So definitely it was a um a really difficult time I think for me and for my entire family. So you were in the states at that time and obviously it's a different mindset. Guess, you still have some kind of coping mechanism where you were still a little bit more, you know, but I guess, you know, 
uh, matters, you know, incidents like that, they really change your life. And, and, and you know, it really does change the direction of your life, doesn't it? It really does. Um, so how did you navigate through kind of your, you know, uh, through college and university? And, and actually, you know, you're a, you're a doctorate. And, uh, so you're an engineer and you also have a doctorate yeah, in law. Doctorate in law. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, basically for me, at the point of the car accident, I had two choices. Like, you know, I was crying a lot. I was really depressed. But then I realized that I had two choices. Either I can just give up. I can say, you know, I can't do this and I can give up or I can try. I can decide yeah. that I am going to, I'm going to do everything that I want to do. I'm going to make my life valuable. I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill all my dreams. And that's kind of what I chose. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I had a very supportive family. I had a very supportive school system and I had a strong faith in God. And I think all three of those together really, really helped me to, uh, to step out of this, to step out of the depression and to actually um, accomplish things in life. Like within three months, I actually was back in school. Because, um, you know- and I think that's the best thing, isn't it? To, to go and do back the, the things that you can immediately- make, To try to normalize your life yes. as much as possible. I think that was really important. So I was back in school and everyone was just told to treat me normal. And that was, I think, the best thing that could have happened because even like my um, physical education teacher, I think he's one of those ones that really made an impact in my life because as a person in a wheelchair, you know, as a child in a wheelchair, I, I didn't even think that I was gonna be going to gym class anymore. But the teacher, he actually bought a wheelchair and every time during gym class, you know, when there's two teams, the other team would have one student sit in the wheelchair. And the kids used to fight over who gets to sit in the wheelchair. And then he would make these different kinds of rules. Like if we were playing kickball, you know, somebody has to kick the ball. I can't kick the ball. Yeah. So he would allow me to choose one person from our team to kick the ball for me. And then I would run the bases with my wheelchair. Right. And so everybody, of course, you know, wanted me to be on their team because then the strongest kicker would get two chances. And so, you know, it was, just, it was a way of spinning everything in a positive way. And that first year when I went back to school, I actually became student body president. I um, got straight A's. I participated in the school play. I danced on stage. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I participated in sports day activities. So it was like, I did everything. And I think that for me, um, just kind of made a pattern for what I did for the rest of my life. Because right after the accident, I was expected to be normal and I was expected to do everything normally. Yeah. And so I expected that of myself after that too. And, um, you know, yes, there were fears. There were fears as I was going through school, as I was going through college, um, especially when I went to college. Like school, it felt safe. It was a small community. Everyone knew me. Even, you know, when I switched schools, you have a group of friends that go with you. Yeah. It wasn't as scary. But when, when it was time to go to the university and there's like 30,000 students and none of my friends are going to be going into engineering with me, um, it was scary. It was definitely scary. I, you know, I didn't know how other people would react to me. I didn't even know how I was going to get from class to class because the classrooms were so far away from each other. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so that I think was a challenge and there were always challenges throughout life, but it was really just a matter of deciding I have to give it a try and I have to make a way. Yeah. And I, and I'm just thinking about kind of just the aspects of what you would entail this the kind of I, I would say skill the skill of actually uh you know operating a wheelchair and then kind of maneuvering that you must have great biceps by the way 
<laughs> I, I am pretty strong because um, people don't realize that you know it takes a lot of strength for obviously for you to operate and kind of maneuver the the wheelchair so um and, and having kind of looking life in a different I, I guess in a different perception as well you're, you're you're having to look at life through a different lens and kind of you know developing certain different skills like you know uh and different strengths for example you know you're operating your wheelchair how did you come around with the dancing because i'm interested in about that how, how does the dancing happen in the wheelchair yeah and, and is it bollywood or is it is it's it bollywood. it's bollywood <laughs> Um, you know, part of like, you know, Desi culture is Bollywood dancing, right? Bollywood. Absolutely. We're all bought up in Bollywood. If you don't know Bollywood, you know, you're, you're not invited. You're not part of the conversation. Exactly. And I'm a Punjabi family. So Punjabis, you know, are even more, you know, dance is just in our blood. And so um, actually the year right before the accident is when I actually got into dance. So I was like oh. nine years old. And that was the first time I was my mom tells this story and she's like, I just was, I was a really bad dancer. I was horrible. I was clumsy. I was you know, awkward, but I decided that I wanted to dance at international day at school. And so my mom says that I actually watched videos and learned the dance and performed. I was just determined that this is something that I'm going to do. And so after the accident, um, you know, at first it was like, Oh, I, I can't dance, but, um, but I started to teach dance. My sister and I would teach dance because I was, I was somehow I was good at choreography. So I would choreograph these dances and I would explain to my sister, my sister and I have a really good connection that way. And I would explain them to her and then she would teach the kids and we would teach like um, kids ranging from six to their teenage years. And um, we would teach them dances to perform at the at the, you know, the, the Diwali festival that they would have, like they'd have this big function in our community. and. And so I started doing that. And then I started um, singing. I wasn't very good, but I would sing. And I would dance with my hands during the song because the song would be boring and I wasn't a very good singer. So it was like, you have to entertain um, because I wanted to perform at these Diwali functions because everyone was performing. My family was all performing. It was, you know, my sisters were performers. And so I was like, I want to do this too. So it was like trying to figure out a way to do it. So I was always doing that, but, um, you know, it wasn't like I was dancing, dancing. It was more teaching other people dance. And right. then a few years ago, there was a reality show on TV called- um, All right, in, a, in, in the States in or- India. In India. Oh, in I mean, India. Yeah. In India, it was called the India's Best Cinestars Stars Key Coach, where they were looking for the next Bollywood star. And I actually grew up, my dream growing up was to be an actress, to be a Bollywood actress. I think that's everyone's dream maybe, but- Right, okay. my dream. And, um, but after the car accident, that really seemed impossible. Before the car accident, I actually, I was not aiming to be the heroine. I <laughs> wanted to be the hero's mother. That was like the time <laughs> you would have the mother who would I'm always- very for the mother's part. Uh, yeah, that, that was what I wanted. I was like, there were these movies and there would be this mother and she would always die and she would always tell her kids to take revenge. And so I somehow was just enthralled by this mother at the age of nine. And um, I would literally just die at the dinner table all of a sudden. Like I'd be sitting there eating dinner and all of a sudden I die, you know? And I'm like telling my kids to like take revenge. And so that this was like how I grew up. I wanted to be this actress. And you know, that's why I participated in the school play right after the accident. I, I kept taking drama classes and I kept this dream alive. Um, but then when I was in 12th grade, my teacher actually said, you know, she pulled me aside and she said, you know what, I just want to be honest with you. No one wants to see a girl in a wheelchair on the big screen or on stage. And that's just, you know, it's just 
practical and you need to think about what else you can do in this field. Maybe you could do set design, maybe you could write scripts, maybe you could be a director, right. but, um, and she wouldn't even let me participate in the school play that year. And she was like, no, um, you know, and I was like, okay. And I, unfortunately I believed her. I thought, okay, you know, she's, yeah. she knows she's what she's talking about. Yeah, she knows, she knows it. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. yeah. And so when I went to college, I did take drama classes, but I never performed. It was always learning the, the art or learning, you know, behind the scenes, what happens. And that was kind of all my extra classes would always be drama classes. And then, um, you know, as I grew older and like when we moved to India to work with slum kids, um, you know, in India, like acting and drama and, you know, TV and movies, that's just such a big part of culture that yes. I realized very fast that um, if we would put little skits together and perform them in the slums, that was the best way to reach these kids with a message oh, that they would remember. Like yeah. they would actually remember it. And so I would get these teams of like youth together and I would I would write the script, I would, I would direct it, I would teach them everything, but I would never act myself. But right. now there's a reality show on TV. My sister knows that this has been my dream since I was little. And she's like, you right. can't try. And I'm like, they don't want a girl in a wheelchair on this show. And yeah. that in India, I mean, in America, you don't see people in wheelchairs very often. No, India, no, right? it's, no, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I was like, in India, they definitely don't want to see that. But my sister was like adamant. She was like, it's going to be fun. She was like, you know, even if you don't make it, let's just go. You know, we see these reality shows on TV. You see these crowds of people. Oh, so, you, so you applied from the States? No, I was in India at the time. And my oh, sister was there okay. as well. And so uh, she was visiting and... So we, so we decided, okay, you know what? We're just gonna do it. I had two days, I prepared a little, uh, a little piece from a movie called Domini. And uh, we oh, yes. went to Aww. our auditions. And so, um, you know, the auditions to my surprise, like I think when they first saw me, they thought I was just there as the TRP factor, you know, like the, the feel good factor. I was trying to be that person. Oh, right, but yeah, when yeah. I actually started like performing during the auditions, you could just see the, um, their jaw would drop. The judges, they would just be like, they would be speechless. Like they didn't know what to do. And I started clearing audition after audition. Like we got there at six o'clock in the morning and my sister and I didn't leave there till nine o'clock at night because I kept clearing all the auditions and kept wow. getting moved on to the next step, the next level. And then they actually invited us back for the next day of auditions. And then we had, then we had telephone auditions. And then we finally got invited to Mumbai for the first round of Mumbai auditions. And then, you know, I finally ended up making it to the top 75 and they disqualified me at that point in the dance round. Oh, okay. It was a dance round and they said, sorry, you can't dance. Um, you know, and so we're disqualifying you at this point. And I, I mean, I had done the dance with everybody, but I guess it wasn't up to what they wanted. Right. And so at that point is when I really decided, I was like, you know what? No one tells me I can't do something. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn this. And that summer I like just practiced and learned and did everything I could to learn um, different dances to, uh, and I actually started posting them like on YouTube just to see what people's responses. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and yeah, so that's kind of where the wheelchair dance started. So I must uh, say, and, and also add that now you are actually, uh, you know, um, the first South Asian um, actress in a wheelchair, basically, aren't you? So that's quite a title. I, I still haven't done anything Bollywood yet, which is my dream. So I'm yeah. still uh, working towards that, but I've done a lot of like short film type things. And um, 
and I've just completed a web series that we're editing right now and so we'll be posting it soon um but yeah my goal is still to make it somehow to Bollywood um either you know on in serials or on the big screen um so I'm still working towards that I haven't given up that goal but you know kind of alongside that I've started doing a lot of this motivation and because actually the reason I got into social media was not to be a motivator um, was not to provide relationship advice, was not to be a life coach type of person. I actually started social media what, uh, to dis- to figure out if what my teacher in 12th grade had said was right or wrong. I started a Facebook page and the theme of that page was, I want to be an actress in a wheelchair. Will you support me? And within six months, I had 1.5 million people following my Facebook page. Yeah, I've seen your, actually, uh, your following is huge, mashallah. Like you have, I think I was just looking even just on TikTok, because obviously I've discovered you from TikTok. I think five, over nearly over 5 million now, you know, combined. And so you have two accounts. I would say that anybody- Three different accounts on TikTok. Yeah, I have three. I discovered two. I thought you had two accounts, one a Hindi account and one- I have- I have a Hindi uh, motivation account. I have an English motivation account. And then I actually teach English as well, um, which is something that people started requesting. I'm not an English teacher, but when I started TikTok, I started with my Hindi motivation account. Yeah. And that's what I think at about 4.7 million right now. And when I started that, people realized that I wasn't a native Hindi speaker. I speak with a little bit of an accent. So people were like, can you teach us English? And I was like, uh, I'm not an English teacher. I've never done this before. But yeah. I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try because I... Um, you know, I was like, I just want to do something that'll help people that'll make a difference. And so I started my English um, channel where I teach English. And that within literally a week, I had 100,000 followers within wow. a week. Amazing. And Amazing. that account is now at like 6.7 million followers. And then I just a year ago, I started my English motivation account because I actually started it thinking, hey, you know what, I want to reach a broader audience. You know, I'm reaching the Hindi speaking audience, but yeah. even within India, there's so many people that do not speak um, yeah. Hindi. Sorry, and then there's so many people in the, uh, you know, so many Desis outside of India who, you know, could benefit from this content and just other people, right? So I decided to start that channel. It was very slow going, but, um, you know, since it, uh, TikTok got banned in India, that channel has grown a lot because that's been kind of my focus. Um, right. Yeah, so. Is, yeah, it, TikTok is, a, is um, TikTok still banned in India? It is. It is still banned. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that it had been banned. I just thought it was banned temporarily because I know that the states had, a, um, you know, some kind of. Uh, yeah, in the U.S., they talked about that. <laughs> they didn't. They they everybody... But they never actually banned it in the U.S. But in yeah. India, they actually banned it back, I think, um, July 1st or something like that. And so it's been banned for quite a while. Um, I'm still hopeful that it will come back eventually that, um, you know, whatever issues there were will be resolved um but yeah because I, I mean i just like you i i love tiktok i think it's a great platform it's you know the community is just so honest and open and and accepting is something yeah. that i've really found yeah, and I, I mean i use um uh, instagram more so um but i do love uh tiktok for entertainment i i saw it and then more so for actually um, you know, researching guests and, and I love the, cause I love creativity. And so for me, uh, that aspect was just amazing. And, uh, you know, more so, and it's been used for education now, which I think is brilliant because I'm a, a fellow, you know, former teacher myself. So I, I love the fact that you can combine creativity with education and, you know, 
And that's what I love. But it is a, a beautiful, I, I really, really, none of my friends are on TikTok, but I absolutely love it. I just think, okay, I'm going to actually get some tips from you and be more active <laughs> for next year. I know, totally. I mean, yeah, when I started TikTok um, uh, two years ago, I started it uh, and no one was doing education or anything like yeah. that. It was purely just lip sync and dancing and things like that. And I actually started it for a reason similar to that. I started it because my grandmother, she was 87 years old and we had made a whole bunch of comedy videos together. Oh, really? 20 second videos. Like that's what we would do in our free time. Like every day from three to five, we would literally shoot comedy videos together because my grandmother loves to act. And so, um, but <laughs> then get, I didn't- Did you get the acting gene from your granny? I think so. Like no one knew, no one knew this. Until I actually started in on social media and I started making the short films on socially relevant topics. Yeah. And I actually asked my grandmother to be in some of the films because I needed an elderly woman. And of course, you know, family is all I knew. So I was like, family. Uh, and I, I very well expected her to say no. Um, but she was like, okay, yeah. And, and then when she did it, she was so natural. Like literally I had a scene where she was supposed to be like dying and she's like crying. She's crying <laughs> in the scene. And I'm like... Oh my goodness. She's really good. Like she got married when she was 16. So I think she never actually had the opportunity to uh, be or do what she wanted to do. And no one ever knew that this was a talent or a secret desire of hers. Yeah. Uh, so she loves acting and, um, you know, she will, she usually normally like in the afternoon, she needs to sleep and rest. But, um, but if I would ever tell her, Hey, let's shoot videos. She would be like, she'd be up before I was up. Oh, how sweet. That's, that's what, there's no limit to, especially social media and what, you know, what you say and how you, how you project yourself. There isn't, there is no limit. You know, you can be, uh, uh, you know, you can, as long as you've got something good to say and, and, you know, and you yeah. will, you'll have an audience. For these videos that I created with my grandmother, I thought that they would, you know, I was like, let's make her famous on TikTok. Yeah. Um, I never used TikTok before this. So I, but I did my research and everyone was saying, you know, you have to post like five videos a day to actually do well on TikTok. So I was like, okay, I'll post one comedy video. And then I have a lot of motivational content from the rest of my social media. So I was yes. like, I'll post some of that as well. And from the first motivational video I posted, the response was phenomenal. Like I had people just saying, this is what I needed to hear. Um, this is changing my life. Like one of the early videos I posted was on domestic violence. And I actually had a woman say, this was that extra push I needed to leave my um, abusive relationship. And wow. so when I saw the power, like I had never thought that a 20 second video could change someone's life. Like it could make a difference. And when I saw the power of TikTok and the power of these videos, and I was like this, you know, like when I moved to India from the States, it was really to make a difference. It was because I wanted to do something positive and I started working in the slums without risk. Yeah, well, when was that then? What year did you? Um, that was a you few years back, like about um, five, six years back. And um, so I doing that, um, you know, for me, TikTok has just been an extension of that. For me, TikTok has been, you know, I was, I was tell people I could go into the slums and I could reach 20 to 100 kids. But through TikTok, making one 20 second video, I can reach hundreds and thousands of people with the exact same message. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, as I started doing the motivation and it started receiving such a positive response, the comedy didn't receive such a great response or the comedy videos kind of faded <laughs> oh, <right>. away. <laughs> yeah, those kind of faded away. I started posting more and more motivation and um, just, you know, it's, it's the response that keeps me going. Like even yesterday I got um, a man messaged me and he said, um, 
you know, watching your videos has saved my relationship so many times. Like I watch your videos and I realize what I am doing wrong and I fix myself. And my really, you, he was like, you are like the engine to my train. You know, I have to watch, you know, what, what you're saying. And I mean, to me, that is like, is, it makes it all worth it, you know, because sometimes you get tired, sometimes you're like, I'm not getting views. But when somebody says that, especially when someone says it changed, like, it's easy to point fingers at someone else and say, hey, you know what, she says this in your, her video, you need to change. But yeah. this, this man is like, is like introspecting, he's figuring out what he needs to change. And he's fixing his own life, which is in turn fixing his relationships. And I just, you know, to me, that was like, amazing. And but that is the power of social media. And people yeah. don't realize that, that you really can make such a huge impact and such a big difference through social media. And for me, like, especially during the pandemic time where I can't be in India, I can't be going into the slums, I can't be doing the things that I love to do. Um, social media has really allowed me to continue the work that, um, that gives me so much joy. Yeah, no, I absolutely love your advice. And I think that's why I think it resonated. And then you popped up once and twice. And I was like, okay, I kind of like, because it's just, it, it's, it's snippets, isn't it? It's not so much that you can't um, uh, understand it. It's just enough for you to uh, take something and then digest it. And, and I'm so- I'm not saying anything, I'm not saying rocket science, right? I'm not yeah. saying anything new. It's stuff that you know, but you just need to be reminded. Yeah. And what I love is that, um, you know, uh, I, so are you married, Keith? I just wanted to ask you. No, you're not married. So, you know, sometimes I always say that sometimes people that aren't married give the best advice. <laughs> and um, and so I just thought, okay, you know what? I, I've also just recently launched um, uh, a kind of a um, matchmaking service. And I had that 10 years ago and I was in London. I just moved back from Dubai. And so when I was, uh, and I think a part of it was because I was listening to so much relationship advice and, and looking at uh, my service. And I, and, I, and I just thought, well, this lady's giving such great, and it's from a psychology point of view, you know? And that's what I kind of really liked. Um, so when I looked at it, I was like, that, that's great. So um, entering um, 2020, what is the kind of advice that you would give, uh, you know, people that are in relationships or to start a relationship, um, you know, as a base, that's quite a broad question, but, you know, as, as someone who wants to enter, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I think we're all in a really, um, a really weird place right now in our lives and in this whole world. And I think um, entering 2021, we need to be a little bit kinder and a little bit more forgiving. Because I'm seeing a lot of people coming to me for advice and they're like, my partner is behaving strangely all of a sudden, ever since the lockdown. And so I always tell people, hey, you know what? Let's not take any drastic steps. Let's not make any drastic decisions right now because everyone is going through a hard time and everyone is processing it in a different way. And everyone, you know, like, I think we need to give each other a little bit of slack. I think don't um, hold everyone up to that that super high standard right now. Um, understand that other people are also going through a hard time. They're, you know, they're people who are losing their jobs. They're people who are, um, you know, who, who are finding it hard to put food on the table. And imagine if your spouse is that person, they're not going to behave the way they were behaving before. There are going to be things that are, and sometimes they're internalizing it because they don't want to add that stress to you because maybe you're stressed out because 
the kids are home and they're not going to school and you've got that extra stress, you know? So I always tell people, especially during this time, and I think in this coming year, I think we need to learn to forgive. I think that is one of the greatest things. If we can learn to forgive and learn to um, just try to see things from the other person's perspective, I think at this time point, at this time period with what's going on in the world, I think that is going to save a lot of relationships. And it's also going to help you to understand your partner a lot better than um, maybe, you know, holding them to the same standard that you held them to earlier. Of course, there's basics, you know, there's basics, like if they're cheating on you, or if there's any sort of abuse, you do not allow that. But if there's little things, you know, like, they're just, you know, maybe not giving you as much time. Um, maybe they're, you know, a little bit quieter. If they're giving you too much time. <laughs> maybe they're giving you too much time. Yes, that's true. Um, but um, yeah, so I think I think we just have to be a little bit more understanding, a little bit more forgiving and spend this time. Don't waste it. You know, like a lot of times yeah. we're just wasting the time. Like don't waste it. Spend it learning to, you know, people, a lot of people have a hard time with self-love. And I always say that self-love until you love yourself, it's really hard to love other people to that level. Absolutely. And absolutely. it's really hard to be loved it's at the level that you want isn't to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I would say that, you know, maybe this pandemic in a way is a blessing because you're getting time to spend time with yourself. And the only way you're going to love yourself is when you spend time with yourself. Because how do you fall in love with somebody else? Spending time with them. And so if you never spend time with yourself doing the things that you love to do, thinking about yourself, thinking about what you want, you're not actually ever going to fall in love with yourself. So use this time during the pandemic to fall in love with yourself, because that is going to change the way you, um, you, you know, you behave in any relationship. And again, relationships is not just you and your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, it's your relationship with your parents, with your kids, with your siblings, with your boss. Um, I always say that, you know, school teaches us everything they teach us math and science and but no one ever teaches us relationships and I think that's kind of why I've really drifted towards um doing motivation in the relationship realm like I actually initially for the first few years if you look back at most of my content it was not relationship based it's really been since I started TikTok about two years ago I was initially not doing that much relationship then either but I just saw that as I started doing relationship advice videos people were resonating with that. And that was something that they really needed. Like there's a lot of people out there telling you to be positive and telling you to, you know, pick yourself back up. And, and, but there's very few people out there actually teaching you how to make your relationship stronger, how to um, get what you want out of your relationship. And yeah. I felt like, you know, as I started doing that more and more, I just really connected with the audience. And I felt like I was providing a service that, um, you know, there's a need for yeah, and I think obviously this year, it's been uh, one of those most difficult years I think anybody has kind of gone through where relationships and having the relationship and understanding yourself first is, is foremost. I think that if, until you understand yourself, you can't have a relationship and, and, and improve the relationships around you. So absolutely kind of paramount, I think. Um, what is the, the biggest kind of lesson that you've learned from 2020? I have learned that... Um, you can't always live with a plan. You have to be willing to go with the flow. Like you have to be adjustable, you have to be flexible and you have to um, make the most of whatever situation you're in. Because honestly, um, I entered 2020 with 
amazing dreams of like, I had plans of what I was going to do and I had strategies of how I was going to implement it. And it was like 2020 was going to be my year to actually, you know, I had my, I had my plan to get into Bollywood. Like I had my plan. And I was like, you know, and then all of a sudden, Bollywood year was was this the Bollywood year then? Yes, this was going to be my Bollywood year. And then, you know, the pandemic hits and literally we were in the States. We usually come back for Christmas. And so we were in the States and um, my brother, of course, never wants us to leave. So he's like, stay a little bit longer, stay a little bit longer. So we were here till um, almost March. And then um, like we go back and then within a week, my brother's like, hey, there's a pandemic that's starting. You need to be back. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, in, in India, in India, no one was talking about it at that time, yeah. right? I was like, no, no, it's it's not happening in India, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's not happening there. <laughs> or like, yeah, the warm weather is gonna kill it. It's not gonna affect India. Yeah. You know, so I was like, no. And my brother kept calling us and telling us to at least stay home, at least not to go into the markets. And we're like, he's like, where are you? And we're like, oh, we're in the market shopping. You know, so <laughs> we're doing everything. And then literally, I started reading the news and. Um, I kind of had an inkling that some of the countries were about to shut down. Like they were not going to allow flights. Yeah. And so, um, so I was like, you know what, uh, we are coming back. And literally the day that we had our flight that day at midnight, India was stopping their flights out of India. So we literally were like on one of the last flights out. Um, and it was just because my brother had been pushing us and telling us, Hey, this thing is going on because in India, everything was happened like this. It was like, they did not give you warning that yeah. this is going to happen. So you need to prepare. It was just like, all of a sudden, you know, they woke up and they were like, Hey, we're shutting down the country. Um, and so we were just really blessed that my brother had, you know, uh, arranged it in such a way that uh, we were on that flight out and we were able to, uh, you know, cause I think this, this pandemic time, it's been really good to be with family. Yeah. And um, I think you know, being alone. And then those people who are actually fortunate to have family, you know? Yes. yes. And I so, think they valued they they valued their family members and their family much yeah. more I think they would have than any other year. So. Yes, definitely, definitely. And so I think this year has really been a year of just realizing that um, yeah. you have to learn to adjust with whatever's going on, and you have to learn to make the most of it and still be happy and to find happiness and to find joy in whatever you're doing. And even if that means that your plans are not going to happen right now, I mean you could. I'm, I'm saying right now because I still have my plans, but yeah. um, it'll be in the And future. I think this has been the year, Geet, that I think there's so many people, even myself included, because new decade, a new year, and uh, so such ambitious plans of, of, of um, you know, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to conquer the world, and I'm, you know, I'm going to do everything that I wanted to, that I didn't do last decade. It was like a new decade, a new start for so many people. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, and actually, that's a blessing as well. And I think people look at it as a blessing that, okay, with the plans that you were going to do, were they worth it? Or can you build on it? Can you do more research? And, and I think if you, that, you know, everything serves purposes. I know so many fr- friends of mine who've started businesses. So, you know, it's, uh, if you can turn it around, like you said, like into a positive, then I think it's a blessing for so many. Yes, no, I think it is. I think, like you said, it, it drew us closer to our families and it helped us to really introspect and figure out what we really want out of life. Like, do I, do I really just want to keep living this nine to five job or is there some dream that I've been putting off? And sometimes it, it gave a lot of people time to, uh, 
to pursue that dream that they have and to do those things. And so, yeah, so I think it, it has been a blessing. It's definitely not been planned, but it's been a blessing in many ways. Of course, um, you know, there's been a lot of heartbreak with all the people who've been getting sick and a lot of, you know, all the people that have passed away, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I've, uh, we've had uh, deaths in the family and it is tragic. And then it just makes you realize that for me, I'm always, you know, running around, um, helping others. And it, this year has allowed me to take a breath and just connect with myself and just, you know, prioritize things that and reserve the energy for myself. And I think it, and I was running on empty for so many years. I, you know, I think this has been such a especially having COVID symptoms in the beginning of the year, it's really allowed me to kind of, you know, take stock and think, okay, where, where am I? And really pay attention to my health. So uh, that's, that's been, but the fact that you are such an inspirational um, person, beautiful person, uh, is there somebody that inspires you? Um, actually, uh, you know, the people that inspire me are honestly just everyone I meet. I actually say this, people say, you know, I is that just a statement? But it's actually true. I One of the things I love to do um, is I like to, like when I'm in India, especially, I like to just go into the marketplace or go to a monument and literally just talk to people. Ah, it could be yes. the vendors, it could be um, other tourists and just talk to people and uh, just learn their stories. Um, I used to do this a lot and I used to actually post a lot of the stories on my Facebook page um, back in the day. And I would just, you know, like, talk to the little girls who are selling jewelry or trinkets. And, and one of the questions that I would always ask them is if you had three wishes, what would you wish for? And just, you know, when you hear what they would wish for, it just, it's amazing. Like the things, and most of them, it was, it was amazing to me that most of the people who had very little didn't wish for amazing things for themselves. They were looking for things for their family. Like I want my sister's husband to stop beating her. And I want my, um, you know, and I want this to happen or, you know, it was just, it was amazing to see and hear the stories. And as you start talking to people, you start hearing these stories. And I realized that every single person has something that they can inspire us with. And it's just a matter of asking them the right questions. And a lot of times they don't even realize that they are as inspirational as they are, because I feel like in this world, we are all really the same. We all go through the same issues. We all face um, the same obstacles. And uh, and as we start like sharing with one another, we learn from each other's experiences. Uh, I know I was doing a podcast a couple of days ago and um, the host asked me a question and he said, what's the difference between the content you create for an Indian audience as opposed to the content that you're creating for an American audience yeah. and, or a Western audience. And I was like, you know what? When I thought about it, I was like, it is almost exactly the same. Our emotions are the same, aren't they? They're, you know, we feel the same emotions no matter where we live, when no matter where we are, we go yeah. through the same emotions. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a few cultural things that would be different. Like if I'm talking yeah. to a Desi audience, I'm going to talk about uh, uh, arranged marriages, which I would not talk about in a, yeah. um, in yes. a Western culture, you know, or... Uh, just you know joint families and things like that are not necessarily as prevalent in western culture but um but overall it's really the same because people are the same we experience we go through this we have the same experiences the same questions i mean my number one question these days is how to 
maneuver a long distance relationship because of COVID. So many people are in long distance relationships right now. Yeah. Um, or and what advice would you give to them if they are in long distance relationships? If that's the number one question, that, is that the number one question? The number one question right now. Um, for long distance relationships, I would say the most important thing uh, is communication. And communication doesn't just mean that you guys need to keep talking every day, but actually you should really make it a point to uh, talk every day even if it's for a few minutes or if it's through text, but every single day you need to communicate. But that communication has to be a certain type of communication. You need to be really open and honest with each other. You really need to tell the other person what you're doing, what you're feeling, what uh, you're thinking. Um, yeah. Because that is, I think, one of the keys to a strong, any relationship, but especially in a long distance relationship, because in a long distance relationship, the biggest problem is insecurity. You yes, are not seeing right. this person on a daily basis. And yeah. so you you start becoming insecure. Like, what are they doing? Who are they hanging out with? Why are they hanging out with this person? Mm -hmm. But if the person has already told you, hey, I'm going to this party and I'm going to be seeing these people, then when you see those pictures pop up on someone else's feed, you're not like, was yeah. he cheating? Was, you know, what, what I didn't know about this. <laughs> you think yeah. that, um, that insecurity is, that communication becomes so much more important when you're not seeing this person on a daily basis, when you can't physically touch them. Um, really, you know, being open, honest, and supportive of one another. Like maybe you can't hold the person's hand, but you can somehow still let them know that you're there for them, that you're that you care about them, that what's important to them is important to you. I always say another thing to do in long distance relationships is trying to make it as normal as possible, like actually go on virtual dates. Like actually, it shouldn't just be that you guys are just talking at night, the little bit of time that you have or in between stuff. Actually plan times that are your time. And that's like, like when you go on a date, you actually block everyone else out at that point, right? That it, your focus is on this person. And so when it's your date time, you're not accepting other phone calls. You're not, you know, distracted with other things because in a long distance relationship, a lot of times while we're talking to our partner, we're distracted. We're doing, we're multitasking while we're talking to them because it's easy when you're on the phone, right? It's easy to be doing five different other things. And so really making that time where it's one-on-one, -on -one, just you two, um, and maybe you even just watch a movie together. Maybe you watch Netflix together. Maybe you um, play a game together virtually, you know, or something, but where you guys are really connecting with each other and really focusing on each other. I think that is also like another really important part. Another important thing is actually planning on when you actually are going to physically meet. I mm. think having that makes it seem like, okay, this relationship is going to go from this virtual thing to this real, you know, like what we considered a real um, relationship, you know, so having that that yes we are going to meet at some point yes we are going to see each other that i think really helps people and then the last thing is something that we should do in all relationships do little things to make the other person know that you're thinking about them little things to make them feel special and you know in a virtual relationship it could even just be a good morning and good night text a random article that you saw that you think they might like just send that to them little gifts if you want to um, just things to let them know that you are actually thinking about them throughout the day because again that takes away that insecurity that yeah. oh this person doesn't even remember me when they're with everyone else they only remember me at you know at our set times or whatever yeah. so I think that really helps with long distance relationships and how you know obviously you mentioned this is a cultural difference how would you encourage um, uh, Asian, uh, South Asian, you know, um, even Arab culture is very similar. How would you encourage somebody who, you know, 
who doesn't want to speak or doesn't want to talk, how would you encourage somebody to, to uh, communicate? I think, um, you know, one is just trying to figure out what their communication style is. Like sometimes people are not comfortable talking, but they're more comfortable texting. Sometimes people um, just need to be asked the questions. Like they're not going to they're not gonna say it themselves, but if you ask them the question, and I think really just being vulnerable in front of them and and showing them that you are, are sharing with them and um, really trying to understand the person and hopefully hopefully if this person is committed to this relationship, like if, if they're not committed, then it's nearly impossible to get them to talk and to open up. But if they're actually committed, but they're just maybe more of an introvert, maybe a little bit more shy or maybe a little bit scared to, uh, to open themselves up in that way, just being supportive of them. And then when they do tell you something, not even if it's something that you didn't want to hear, not overreacting at that point, because yeah. if you like, if, cause you know, people who are quieter are going to start to tell you things, but if you don't react in a way that they feel accepted and they feel validated with what they're saying, they're going to go back into that shell. Yeah. So as they start opening up, really being supportive at that point, really, um, you know, not acting out because you didn't like what they said, but trying to understand, okay, this is what you feel, um, you know, and just making them feel like their opinion and what they're saying matters and has weight and is valuable. Because I think a lot of times people don't want to say anything because they're not sure that what they have to say is interesting or it's valuable or the other person, how the other person's going to take it. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you do when you struggle or you have a challenge? Uh, what goes through your mind? What, how does your mind work? And how do you stop that kind of negative thinking? What is that? What is that process? I mean, yeah, the first thought always is I can't do this. Um, you know, or, or why does this always happen to me? Um, but I think it's really then uh, stepping back and figuring out okay, what exactly is going on? What is the problem? And, and then rather than fretting over it, maybe I'll give myself five, 10 minutes. Okay, I am going to fret over it. I am going to be upset about it. Yeah. And then really sitting down and figuring out what is a good solution? How can I resolve this problem? How can I overcome this problem? Um, you know, do I need someone's help? And whose help and whose advice could help me with this particular issue that I'm facing? Um, and because the truth is that obstacles and setbacks come in every single person's life. And it's really just how we choose to deal with it. Like I often tell the story about, okay. And that's why I'm asking you because people, it's not just the pandemic, but we have small little mini pandemics every day. We have struggles and, and situations every single day, don't we? And it's just how we, how we process, how we perceive them, and then how are we going to solve them? So everybody has their own style and their own way of doing something. Basically the biggest thing is deciding you're not going to give up. It's really deciding, hey, I am going to face this challenge. At least I'm going to try. Yeah. I'm going to try to overcome. And you've got a motto, haven't you? you? There's something that you actually, there's a, there's a, uh, there's I something. I would say um, concentrate on what you can do rather than on what you can't do and God will make all things possible. Um, so I would say focus on, on your strengths. You know, like for me, when I was in a wheelchair, that actually really helped me because I was like, okay, I can't walk. I can't use my uh, legs, but I could still use my hands. I can still use my smile. I can still use my mouth. I can still use my voice. I can still use my mind. Um, you know, so I started focusing on what I can do. And I realized that 
everyone has handicaps. Everyone has things they cannot do in life. And some yeah. of them are more visible like mine and some of them are invisible. But um, you really can still do everything you want to do. You just have to figure out a different way to do it. Like I can still get from point A to point B. I'm not going to walk there, but I'm going to wheel there. Um, you know, so I, so I always say that I could do everything you could do. My way is just going to be a little bit different. My path is going to be a little bit different in the same way you could do everything you want to do. What other people are doing, your path is just going to be a little bit different. You have to figure out how you can do it. Um, right. So feel the feelings, then step back and then kind of analyze the situation. Yeah. And then act. I think sometimes the biggest problem is that we don't act like it's, it's scary taking that step. You yeah. actually have to take that step, no matter how scary it is, um, no matter how, um, how much you are sure that you're going to fail or it's not going to work. Um, because if you don't try, you never know. And if you try a lot of times, more often than not, you're going to be surprised. Yeah, actually, yeah, exactly. And surprising ourselves in this 2020, definitely. And I think fear is, you know, the most, uh, one of those things that is going to, that's holding everybody back. I think it's, if you come from a state of fear, it's always, it's always going to be something that you're going to kind of literally, you're stuck and, and stationary. So um, it, is there any um, advice that you would have given your younger self? I give myself so much advice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really, uh, you know, Knowing just, all the things that you've done and, you know, the experiences that you've had, what's probably the best advice that you would give to yourself? I would really tell myself to stop worrying about what other people think. I think that has been one of my biggest uh, problems. Like I'm getting better, but I still do it. I still do it. Um, but I'm getting much better. Like when I first started on social media, I would have people write to me and they'd be like, um, you know, who are you to be advising us? Or have you looked at yourself in the mirror? You look, oh, like, really? a you look like a, a servant or whatever. They would, I mean, they would try to tear me down. They would tell me I was fat. They would tell me I was ugly. They would tell me my accent was fake. Um, you oh, know, there's just a lot of different things. And I remember literally looking in the mirror for hours because I was, became insecure of how I looked because I was like, do I really look like that? Like they're saying, I look like a witch. Um, yeah. Do I really look that bad? How does one deal with that? I mean, that's that's you know anybody on social media is dealing with hate and and negativity, but it you know it does seep yeah. through. It, it does seep through. You know, it does. It does. And and just you know, like worrying about like recently, I had somebody like two days ago, literally two days ago, um, somebody started posting in their stories that I was misguiding people and I was teaching wrong and that people shouldn't be following me and. Um, and I, I, I literally went through my videos again because I was like, what does she think I'm teaching wrong? Like, yeah. where, you know, where am I wrong? And so, um, so you know, so I actually watched my videos and I was like, I, I don't know what she's talking about. Like, I, everything I, whatever I teach, I honestly believe in. I don't just teach it for the sake of, you know, yeah. views or um, likes or whatever, right? But even I, you will guess yourself, yeah? Yeah, you know, I, I will honestly, you know, I will, but, um, but what I've realized with all of this is that one, you know what, we get two negative comments and we get 200 positive comments. Yeah. How do we choose to focus on those two negative comments? Like, um, you know, like that one woman is like posting in her stories, yes. but at the same time, if I go through my inbox, I've got 30 people or 50 people saying, Hey, you know what, this video made a difference in my life. This changed my attitude. Um, and so I, one, I have to always remind myself, I have to stop focusing on the people who are trying to tear me down 
of course, yes, you, if someone is saying something and, you know, checking you, it's good to check yourself to make sure, because sometimes we are wrong. Yeah, sometimes exactly. we're not perfect. Yeah, yeah. But um, after you've done that and you are, you know, you're confident that I, I don't think I'm wrong. Um, yeah. Then you need to, you know, realize that if they're hating on you, it's probably something to do with their own life and their own insecurities. Um, a lot of times what I started doing, one, I've realized on social media, the block button needs to be your best friend. We all hate to block people. I think most of us feel really yes. bad when you block somebody, but I've realized that for your own peace of mind, if you just start blocking people who um, are spreading negativity for no reason, right? Uh, yes, you'll have one less follower, but you don't need that negative follower. No, you don't need no, absolutely not. Other people's minds either or putting questions in their minds about what you're saying or what you're doing or in your own mind more than anything. Um, so you really use the block button. You do not need those people. Uh, two, I would say... Um, respond i always try to respond in love like i realize that if somebody is tearing me down i'm not going to fight with them because half the time that's what they want they want the drama they are bored and yeah. they want drama um so i often will respond in a very positive way like you know thanks for that advice um i will you know i'll try to i'll i'll help or you know like a lot of people are like when i'm teaching english uh, i don't speak hindi that perfectly because i grew up speaking english i grew up in the states yeah um, and so they, uh, you know, I recently just today I had somebody comment and say, you know, your Hindi pronunciation is atrocious. And I was like, well, you know, I'm really trying, but if you could help me out, that would really yeah, great. Um, you know, so responding positively and more often than not, I've seen when I do that, if I respond positively, people write back and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't what I meant. Like, I don't know what you meant by that, but okay, I'll take it. You know, I won't fight with you over it, but they feel bad for having been mean to you because you're not being mean back to them. Yeah. If you're mean back to them, they feel vindicated and they, it, it's like this big fight on your, you know, your comments or something like that. But if you're nice back to them, one, you're setting an example for all the other people who are watching. Two, it frees you of that thing because you've, you've responded, you've dealt with it, you're done. And three, it usually helps them too, because they somehow have some sort of a low self-esteem or there's something going on in their life that they feel the need to, um, to be negative towards you so and then you know the other thing if it's not social media if it's real life if there's toxic people in your life you really do need to distance yourself from them because life is too short to um to be surrounded by negative people and negative thoughts and negative feelings that make you second guess yourself that make you feel bad about yourself again constructive criticism we take but you know just hate there's, there's no reason that you need to take hate, no matter who it is that's trying to hate on you. Um, you do not owe them anything. You do not owe them um, being silent and polite and kind. You have the right to just block them out of your life. What's the best advice that you've been given um, from someone? I think the best advice that I've been given um, is really just to always be you and don't let other people change you. Just be true to who you are. Yes. Um, because a lot of times, instead of just being who we are, we react to other people. We respond to other people. And that changes who we are when we're, when we're reacting, as yeah. opposed to when we're just being ourselves. And I think learning to be yourself and being comfortable being yourself, um, I think is one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself.
And I think that results in a lot of peace of mind because a lot of people ask me, how can you be so happy all the time? Honestly, I'm not happy all the time. I do go through that. <laughs> you know, I'm not happy. But overall, I, I, I am pretty happy, actually. Um, yeah. And I think it's because I've realized that I could just be the best me and really try not to compete with other people. We all fall into that competition thing. Um, I think on social media, it's all that numbers game, right? We look at other people and we're like, they have this many followers and I only have this many. And, you know, and I sometimes fall into that game and then I tell myself, you know what? No. And so I actually live in a social media bubble. I very rarely look at other people's accounts because I found that when I do that, it, um, it messes with my mind. And I'm like, you know what? I just need to be better today than I was yesterday. I just need to do the things that I love to do, the passion that I have and share that with the world. And I am not going to do things that mess with my mind. And I often tell people, um, you know, especially on social media, because that is such a big part of our lives right now. Absolutely. There are people it, it, does, it does influence so many of us, you know, consciously or subconsciously, you know, and I think we must be aware of it you know? Yeah. So I would say if you're following people that make you feel jealous, that yeah. make you feel bad about yourself, it's not that they're doing something wrong. They might just be posting their wonderful travel pictures <laughs> and they're yeah. posting their beautiful fashion pictures and they're yeah. a beautiful person. They're not doing anything wrong. But if following them makes you feel unsatisfied at your life, not, you know, goal aspiration unsatisfied, but unsatisfied, like you look in the mirror and you're sad. You, yeah. um, you feel like you haven't accomplished anything in life because you see what they have. Unblo mm -hmm. uh, unfollow them. Unfollow all those people. Yeah, so, I, I like the fact that you're quite ruthless with the unfollow and the, the blocking. I like that because, you know, I think that really you, there's no need, is there? You know, there's no need for that. There isn't. I mean, like we choose who we're following. We choose yeah. who we're, um, yeah. you know, yes, if it's a family member, maybe you're not going to block them <laughs> or unfollow them, but you can, there's settings, you know, where you don't see their stuff. Like you have a, you've muted them where they don't know that you, you're not seeing their stuff, but yeah. you're doing like our mental health is our responsibility. No one else is going to take care of Absolutely. that. And so I think we need to really start. What would you tell your sister or your brother? Like I often say, you know, think about when you're talking to yourself and when you're um, figuring out what you, you know, like when you're being hard on yourself or when you're advising yourself, think about what you would say to your sister or your brother, you know, like your sibling, because those are the people that we give the best advice to, I think. Yes. You know, what, how would you advise your sibling? And even like when people are hard on themselves after doing something wrong, I'm like, what would you advise your sibling in this situation? Mm -hmm. Yes, you were wrong, but how would you advise them? And they're like, I would tell them that, hey, you know, you did something wrong, own up to it, but, but life doesn't end there. You, you know, you need to move on. You need to forgive yourself. You need to be happy again. And I'm like, then now tell yourself that exact same thing. Exactly. Exactly. We, we don't, we're not kind to ourselves, are we? We, you know, we're very... We're, we're abundantly giving to others and then we just neglect ourselves. Like you would tell your sibling, block them. You don't need yes. to talk to them. You don't need them in your life. But when it comes to our life, we feel guilty blocking them. We feel guilty cutting them out of our lives. Yes. Why? Why can't you give yourself that same advice? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've really found that when you don't even listen to the gossip or you don't listen to the negativity for a little bit, you're curious. Like I've had people come to me and say, you know what so-and-so said about you? And my new response is, I don't know and I don't want to know. Yes, exactly. Know. Because if they tell you, you want to know, because if they tell you, but if they tell you, 
you're going to keep thinking about it forever, like forever. Cause those words are, yeah. once they're in your mind, they're there. They don't. They are. They and then they do, they occupy a certain amount of space and time. And yeah. you know, it's for us to kind of kick them out, but well, yeah, exactly. you don't allow that entrance in the first place. Yeah. Then you, you'll, you'll be curious for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. Yeah. But at some point you're going to let it go because you don't even know what it was. Yeah. You know, yeah. for a little bit, you are going to be curious. And you're going to think, but you're really going to let it go. And I found that this is a great way to stay, to keep your mental peace is to actually not allow that negativity, not allow that gossip into your mind. Um, especially when it's about you. Um, it yeah. really helps. I just posted something on my Instagram where, um, you know, I said that if it's a, it's a quote where you have purpose and goals, you're so busy in serving uh, others and, and um, you know, you have a you have a mission in life that you, you're not involved in any drama or gossip. So and I think that once you are so focused and driven by, you know, what you want to achieve in life, I think that just makes life much more easier. Yeah you know, filtering out uh, people and uh, circumstances and situations where you not, don't really need to spend that energy. So what is it that you would like to do or see yourself in the next five years? Where is it that you're, obviously we're going to see you on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, that is where you're going to see me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm hoping that as soon as the pandemic ends, I will be able to go back to India, continue the work that I was doing there yeah. um, with the slum kids at rescues. So of course, those kids will be grown up by then. Um, yeah. And so how are they doing it. over there, by the way? I mean, at the moment, how, how is the situation over there? Um, you know, with everyone I talk to basically says life is back to normal. Like people oh, are really? not the precautions they should be taking. Um, people are not, uh, you know, I think it's the same around a lot of, a lot a lot of the world, like we feel like, yes, we should be taking precautions. But when it comes to our family, even our extended family, we feel like they're safe. You know, when yeah. it comes to our friends or our colleagues, we feel like they're safe. Yeah. Um, you know, they're okay. We don't have to be so careful around them, but we don't realize that literally aside from the bubble in your house, everyone else is being exposed to other people. And so you do not know who's been exposed to who. And, um, you know, so if you really like, for me, you know, it's my mom is, Older and we want to keep her safe and so it's uh you know my brother's super strict i you know i'm gonna be honest i've not literally left my house since march yeah he doesn't leave house. <laughs> so, um, you know I, and i think that certain people haven't i haven't left my mother's older you know she's elderly and i haven't left the house and you're right uh, my sister came down once to see us and that was about it and then uh you know uh, for for eid and uh you know, how are you dealing with the with being at home? I mean, I've worked from home. I was freelance from home anyway. So I think, I'm kind of used to it. But uh, for, for someone who is, you know, how, how, did, how did that, how did you deal with that? Again, not going again, uh, you know, social media has been a blessing. You know, I've yes. been, I make a lot of videos right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been posting a lot more. And then finally, like this week, I just decided, hey, you know what? Um, I had a, a bunch of goals and dreams and I was like, you know what, they're not going to be executed the way I thought they were going to be executed because mm -hmm. at this point I really do not know when, um, you know, there's the vaccine, but now there's this whole talk about other mutations of coronavirus yeah. out there. So you just really don't know what even 2021 holds, although yeah. we're all really hopeful and we're all, you know, hoping for the best. Um, so I actually, uh, had been, uh, you know, just like I, I was making short films before and it's been really hard to do that when you're, so you home. actually uh, not just acting but also making them yeah like um 
you know, it was, it was acting and then also producing them. Yeah. And so now I'm actually going to be producing short films that I may not be acting in, but producing them with the messages that I want to get across and, um, and then adding my own message to the end of the video. So that's kind of the project that I'm working on right now. And hopefully, I mean, I just started like last week and hopefully our first short film will be released at the beginning of next year. Um, so, you know, I've got a team in Pakistan and a couple of teams in India that are working on it. So, you know, it's going to be really multicultural and I think it's going to be really exciting because like, especially with the team in Pakistan, um, they were like, you know, I don't think there's ever been like an Indian Pakistani collab like this before. Oh, so, wonderful. There, there needs to be. And, you know, there's so much, there, you know, there, there needs to be more bridging, you know? Yeah. And, I think it's, I'm pretty excited about, um, you know, collabing with them and, you know, especially because I love Pakistani dramas. So <laughs> I feel like they're better Go than on them. the uh, dramas that you make in India, right? And so I'm like, so I'm really excited about that. But I'm excited about, you know, like I have different teams doing different things and um, the videos that we're going to be coming out with hopefully are going to really help people um, with their lives and their relationships. And, um, you know, because we're going to be covering topics, even like adoption and um, and just, you know, people cheating on each other or uh, misunderstandings and how to deal yes. with them and just, you know, really practical issues as well as some, you know, topics that maybe we don't talk as much about in like um, in Eastern culture. Yeah, I think there needs well. to be a much more open dialogue and that's the only way that we can promote understanding and, you know, uh, you know, and better relationships. And I love the fact that, you know, uh, that I think the most important thing that we have is relationships, not only with yourself, but others. And I think if, yes. you, if you can, if you can build quality relationships, which I love, you know, connecting people and communicating in all walks of life, um, you know, I, I think that that's, that's the basis of everything that before you even start going to business or helping others, you know, understanding yourself and having that relationship. Yeah, so you know, the question is actually five years from now, where do I see myself? I hopefully will have done something in Bollywood at that point. And yeah. I am um, one of the things that I'm kind of passionate about that I want to start that I have not yet started yet is I would love to have like a talk show type of thing. Um, you know, so I want to do something like that. So I'm kind of uh, going to figure out how to explore that more. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe kind of like what you're doing, you know? I, like, I was just going <laughs> to say, I, I think you should be doing podcasting as well. And I encourage everybody to everybody that I do you need to do a podcast as well you know and I think it's but you know with your you're such um uh such a huge following on um TikTok and you know all the other platforms as well uh that, that's kind of like mini I think I feel that sometimes people don't have the capacity to listen to such long interviews and sometimes short form is really good you know to kind of um test you know just uh, to whet their appetite and then get them interested so uh, but no definitely I can see you doing something kind of a talk show you know that's that but, but I think that'll be way in the future right now right now I've yeah. just got so many other things on my plate that I have to you know really prioritize what is important yeah. to me and what I can physically do yeah absolutely so as we end as we end um 2020 and and look forward to and I want people to look forward to 2021 what advice would would you offer, Geet, that for, for those who haven't had such a wonderful year? And we we you know we've all had you know circumstances, and we've had yeah. uh, you know disappointments and sadness. How can we enter? I would say twenty twenty one with positivity and excitement. What would you? What advice would you offer to the listeners? 
I think that, um, you know, 2021, I'm expecting it to be an amazing year. Uh, I always say that keep looking forward to, uh, you know, the plans that God has for you, the plans that you have for yourself. Um, you know, don't spend a lot of time looking back. You know, our yeah. eyes are in the front of our head because we're supposed to be looking forward. They're not on the back of our head. We're not supposed to be looking back and feeling sad about the things that we've lost because we all have, and it's it's normal. It's normal to have setbacks. Um, you know, imagine that you're going somewhere in a car and you get a flat tire. 2020 is that flat tire, but what do you do when you get a flat tire? Do you throw the car out and say, hey, this is junk? Do you, uh, do you just stop and say, well, now there's nothing I can do? No, you fix that tire, you, you know, you either, you know, get a new tire or you fix that tire, you put it back on and you keep going and you do reach your destination. So, you know, 2020 is that flat tire. You're not going to let it hold you back. You are going to fix that tire. You're going to put a new tire on there and maybe that's 2021. And that is going to help you to keep going towards your final destination. Your car is not broken. Your car is fine. It just has a flat tire right now. And that tire is going to be fixed and we're going to keep going. And we are going to achieve all those dreams and all those goals that you had. Yeah. Fix that Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so wonderful. And And I really believe, and I wish, you know, everybody that is listening that they, you know, enter 2021, you know, with excitement and with positivity. And then we just have to have faith, you know, faith in ourselves uh, and then, you know, uh, and maneuver things accordingly. We Nobody knows what's really in store for next year, but, you know, we have to keep strong and keep positive. And I think you're, I'm sure you're going to be making more podcasts. And I think, you know, going through this experience with you, I am going to definitely be subscribing and, you know, listening in because I think that um, what you're doing is an amazing thing. And I think bringing, you know, different people on different perspectives is going to be, you know, I think that helps. I think that really helps. And especially because a lot of what we're doing right now, everyone is binge watching social media. So watching positive things like what you're putting out there is, um, is the need of the hour. Oh, thank you so much, Geet. You know what? I just listened to your uh, you know, your TikToks for so long. And I was, you know, something, something resonates, you know, you think, oh, I really like her. And I want her to, and, and that's how it is. I, I want her to be a guest on my show. I want her to do something. I want him to be on. And, and the fact is that, you know, the, 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 the wheelchair was secondary to, you know, I didn't even know about that. The fact that you just offered great advice um, is something that I resonated with. And then when I discovered that you had these other layers to you, and I was like, wow, she is incredible. So, you know, thank you for ending our 2020 with such great advice. And I hope that everybody that is listening takes something, even if it's just one thing, and then applies it for next year. And whatever you do, it's not, you know, there's one quote that actually, there's one quote that I'm going to say, and I want you to kind of, you know, you know, maybe, an inspirational quote or something that you say to encourage yourself when you're in a situation. I always say there's a quote that I, that I heard from Bon John Jovi, you know, back in the days, <laughs> I'm from that era. <laughs> so um, in, in one of his interviews, he says that every day above the ground is a good day. So is there a quote that you would like to leave everybody with um, that, that, is a, that is something that you resonate or something that you use, you know, or apply? I mean, I think I said it earlier, but for me, really the thing that keeps me going is just concentrate on what you can do rather than on what you can't do. And God will make all things possible. And that's what I always tell myself because 
my first thought always is I can't, <laughs> you know, I just, I just can't do this. And then I always realize, you know, I can't, there's so many things I can't do. And with what I can do, if I don't focus on what I can't do, I will be able to achieve whatever I want to achieve. Well, I wish you all the success for the future. And, um, you know, I look forward to seeing you, you know, um, on the big screen. And if you're in Pakistan or whenever you're in London, then, you know, we must connect. And, you know, I look forward to, to seeing you here and um, wishing you all the success for 2021. Thank you so much for joining so us much. on the on the show. Thank you, Geet. Thank you. Thanks.